Hi everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Opposite Report. My name is Dylan Habil. On today's episode, we are focusing on black rhinos. And I will be having a chat with Abraham Jenga. He is a park warden here at Olpajeta Conservancy. Olpajeta is known to be the biggest black rhino sanctuary in East and Central Africa. So how did they get here? How did they achieve this feat? And for those who don't know the difference between a black rhino and a white rhino, we'll also touch on that. And we expand on the bigger conservation of rhinos in Kenya and in Africa and the future of rhinos. Thank you. So welcome back to the Alpha Data Pod. I'm with Abraham. Hi, Abraham. Hi, Abraham. How are you today? I'm good, I'm good. Rhinos. Today we are talking about rhinos. There are like two species of rhinos in Africa, the black and the white. But today we are talking about the black rhinos. So what is a black rhino? Uh, black rhinos are a location where we are in Kenya, Eastern East Africa. Yeah. We have a species that is endemic to this area. Mm-hmm. It's called the Eastern black rhino. Yeah. Uh, maybe for someone who's never seen a rhino, maybe you might have, you might be wondering how do you even tell apart a black rhino from a white rhino? Is, is the white it rhino white? Color? Is it the black? Is it black? Uh, yeah. How do you tell them apart? Mm-hmm. Ideally, uh, the black rhino is how it, in, in simple words, defining a black rhino using uh, the physical characteristics is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, the black rhino is found in, they, they feed on, on, on browse. They're, so they're, they're browsers, browsers yeah. yeah. So they feed on twigs from trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are short, they are, they are smaller in size compared to the white rhinos. Mm-hmm. Actually, comparing the two is, makes it easier to tell them apart. But what if I see a baby white rhino and I call it a black rhino? I, I'm getting there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So ideally, uh, from the size, so, it, so the white rhino is bigger in size compared to the black rhino. Mm-hmm. For instance, the places where you can you can see both. Mm-hmm. So how do you tell them apart? Yeah, uh, I, I said the first uh, difference is the size. Mm-hmm. White is bigger. The, the second one on eating pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the forage. Uh, so the white rhino feeds on purely on grass. So it's a grazer. It's a it's a grazer. Mm-hmm. So it's normally, a, and again, this brings me to the other difference that you can tell apart from the habitat you find them. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, uh, the black rhino feeds on f- forests and trap for on trees mm-hmm. and, and shrub trees. So you so it's find it in thickets, yeah, in a thicket area. Uh-huh. But okay. in the white rhino is open grasslands. Yeah, that's oh. a lot more. You'll find it in open grasslands. Mm-hmm. And the black rhino is a solitary animal, so high chances whenever you sight it, it's going to be by itself. And like the white rhino, which is social. You'll find them in family groups. Talking about being social, again, the black rhino is very aggressive. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the white rhino is is, is social. A social animal. Okay. Yeah. Or let me let, let us say semi-aggressive because yeah, 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 yeah. They're yeah. still wild. Yeah, they're still wild. Animals. Black rhino conservation in all Yeah. When did it start? Uh, I think before we talk about all it's. To bring it, bring a to bring a point home. Yeah, the best way would be to start talking about black rhino conservation in Kenya as mm. a whole. Yeah, then we narrow down to Olpegeta. Yeah. So then, in the nineteen sixties, 
Kenya was home to an estimated 20,000 black rhinos. Mm-hmm. But just two decades later, poaching has reduced the population and reduced the population to about 300 as a result of conservation efforts. Now the black rhino population is steadily recovering. At the moment now we are about, about above 600. What I would say is, so at around 1980, yeah. late 80s, yeah. By this time, between 1960 and 1995, it's said that about an estimated 98% of black rhinos were killed by poachers. 98%? Yeah. It's, it's the one species that we have really have, that has really been hammered. Mm-hmm. Uh, rhinos, are, they don't have any other, I would say, predators uh, and other than humans. Humans is the one, just like in elephants, is human beings are uh, its worst threat. And what, what made human beings poach black rhinos in that huge uh, percentage? I think uh, the funny thing is that they are, the whole animal is killed mostly for their horns. For their horns. Yeah. And, and surprisingly, the horn of a black rhino is made of keratin. So the same thing that makes our fingernails. Fingernails, our hair. Yeah. So it, it's said to be to have medicinal value mm-hmm. in Chinese medicine. And uh, it's said in the Asian and Asian uh, used to make daggers. Mm-hmm. So it was really so it's and there's can, really can, nothing to do with. Can we also say uh, the wars that were there in the Asian countries in the eighties, Vietnam also contributed to this? Yeah, to those those rhinos that are found in those in those the, the, area, the area Asian rhinos, Sumerian rhinos, which have also been hammered the same way. Mm-hmm. But now in Kenya. There's, there's been a lot of conservation effort over the years mm-hmm. to try and bring down, to, to, to try and rejuvenate the population. I would say in, in about 1993, we had about an estimated about 2,300 rhinos in Kenya. Yeah, in Kenya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Olpegeta in 19, around 1990, at mm-hmm. that time again, yeah, 89, and that's when we, it was actually the idea that the government came up with to bring to, to Rejuvenate the population, bring up, uh, bring up the numbers. Mm-hmm. Was that the free ranging rhinos mm-hmm. to be, to be taken to sanctuaries, mm-hmm. established sanctuaries, where we can have, where we can have, where the, where the rhinos can, actually grow in, increase, like their numbers to thrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what uh, so Olpegeta was identified as one. Of the potential sanctuaries, sanctuaries. and uh, by that time, Olpegeta was in existence all through back in the years. But, but as, was a, it as a ranch, ranch, it was just as a ranch. Yeah. So now this aspect of conservation was brought in at this time. Mm-hmm. So a part of Olpegeta was fenced, mm-hmm. and the founder populations were brought in. Mm-hmm. We had about four brought in at that time, mm-hmm. and over the years, rhinos were being uh, they were being introduced from from other sanctuaries. And to Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as of now we have about ten rhino sanctuaries remaining in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Introductions were brought in over the years. Mm-hmm. And like I'm saying, these meta populations that we have from rhinos were being introduced from all from other places well Pegeta over the years. Mm-hmm. And at about two thousand and seven the area that was has been set aside as a sanctuary, which was called the Sweetwater's Game Reserve, mm-hmm. the fence was brought down, mm-hmm. and now the whole 
the whole area the whole Kolpenjeta conservation area is now has became a sanctuary from that time mm-hmm. we had more rain was bringing to this now to the extended areas mm-hmm. when Kolpenjeta was being started up it was projected that the current capacity would have been about 130 130 yeah yeah by now as of today we have already surpassed that we are at we are about we are at, at around 145 145 black rhinos isn't that a threat because i know rhinos are territorial yeah, rhinos so. are very territorial and uh we are working on it maybe for expansions mm-hmm. we, we have an area that is called mutara conservation area that is adjacent to our corridors mm-hmm. where olpeja is taking over the management and you're working on it to become our dispersal area for our for the surplus for the surplus population okay yeah you're talking about rhino conservation yeah. coming from having only just four rhinos to 140 becoming the one population with the largest single population in east africa in east africa yeah. starting with four yeah and now you're having the biggest yeah. population of black rhinos yeah uh what are the trade the tricks that you use let me call them tricks so it's really tricks, but it, 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 it's it's more of intensive monitoring mm-hmm. of the rhinos. Mm-hmm. We have uh, we have active twenty three rhino patrol camps mm-hmm. that we have that are scattered within the conservation area. Mm-hmm. And what they do on a daily basis, we try they move out and try and report all the rhinos seen. So every day, a person goes to sleep after spotting the assigned rhino to look. Yeah, the rhinos that are you know rhinos are territorial, so we get to know. And again, part of part of what the rangers do mm-hmm. is we are interested in. We do like a road call, yeah, for the rhinos. Yeah, and uh, part of what we are interested in is knowing a certain rhino has been seen, mm-hmm. been spotted. Mm-hmm. So when a rhino is spotted, uh, we have a repository radio room that where we, all this data is brought in. Mm-hmm. So we need to know the rhino, a specific all the rhinos that we have. Mm-hmm. We can tell them apart. They have unique ear notches that we can tell who is the we used to tell to know who is who. They also mm-hmm. have names. Through the patterns is the easiest way to ident- to ID them. So the rangers have binoculars, they can identify them from afar. And again, I mentioned they are highly aggressive. Yeah. So you don't want them to know you're in their presence. And if they are they are they're very aggressive, how do you put the notches on them? Uh they have to be sedated. Uh-huh. They are notched. Uh, so for them to be notched, they have to be brought down. So each rhino in the conservancy has a unique ear, ear notch. Yeah. That you it's different from from the other. So it becomes easier to know yeah, yeah, this it's is all, its own unique idea. Okay. Yeah. So a rhino is sighted. Uh-huh. Uh for instance, rhino that you'll be talking about the for instance, since you're assuming you're in the field, mm-hmm. I'm seeing a rhino, the rhino I've seen the ID. Yeah. This is Abraham. Uh-huh. So I'll say I'm seeing rhino Abraham mm-hmm. in real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have distrib- we have distributed the conservation area into blocks, mm-hmm. so we'll say Abraham is in block maybe Alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this time, it's maybe ten. That's ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Abraham is feeding or resting, and we're also interested in knowing the body condition. How is it? Is also, it- apart from yeah, that, that part of identifying yeah. and I've spotted the rhino. So if I this spot is what- a rhino that is that is lying down, yeah. I'll have to wait for it to wake up. Okay. So I can see is it lying down because it has an injury? Is it lying down because it's sick? There you know you. 
there is behavior you're interested in also knowing the behavior okay. does it is it displaying normal rhino behavior mm-hmm. and again these are these are rangers who are experts they have been in the field for so for such a long time mm-hmm. they in teams of three they can easily tell this rhino is normally very active but today we, it's it's sluggish the gait the behavior the feeding so what is it feeding on that's when you will ask for a vetting yeah we have we have uh, vet, yeah we can ask we, we can now escalate it mm-hmm. and uh, so from the things that i've mentioned we're interested in mm-hmm. back in the office we this is how we, we populate for one we get the coordinates of where the rhino has been reported we get to know the home ranges for the rhino being spotted there for about six months you can easily tell this is the home range mm-hmm. this is why it goes to drink water this is why it rests at this time so and again the activity that you get that the, the activity is being reported in so mm-hmm. we get to know the behavior the, the annual behavior of black rangers mm-hmm. so we know the active early in the morning so that's the time we start the patrols so if i'm a During researcher the, and i'm coming to the conservancy yeah. i can get yeah, because you can give you all this data mm-hmm. you know at this time the early in the morning they are very active it's the mm-hmm. best time to start looking for them mm-hmm. and again there is when there is morning there is dew it's easy to track yeah. where they have gone you start by the water hole you see where the tracks there you start following the tracks it becomes easy okay you can see the opening how grass has been laid down as it moves mm-hmm. uh that's that uh, again you're interested in knowing what it's feeding on get to know the forage the yeah. preference the dietary preference what the, what, what species that they prefer when you say they like acacia because what we've seen over the years they're being reported mostly feeding on acacia the habitat that they prefer which habitat they, they like mm-hmm. so you get you can easily manipulate these like you know the rhinos yeah. to an individual level yeah and you can manipulate the habitats if you see you are losing thickets mm-hmm. so you can set out a, you can zone out a place and ensure it goes back mm-hmm. and uh, uh something else associations that we mentioned so when a rhino is seen with another rhino mm-hmm. that becomes interesting to us we want to know which rhino is this that associates with so when that rhino if if it's a male and a female mm-hmm. when they are mating we'll get to know this is the potential father when he gets the calf there are rhinos that we we have a rhino family tree the rhinos that we've gone we have records up to the ninth generation like you know this is this was a great grandmother this was a gra- yeah so we can so it's awesome. really interesting data that we have so does that allow now let us go into breeding so if you yeah so it, it if helps. we see this male rhino with this female rhino we know this is obviously in breeding cause yeah, maybe you your cousin so yeah, if you can even tell if you are close related then uh-huh. so if they are closely related you separate them all. yeah there there is room for interventions for try maybe move them to some other place to mm-hmm. another sanctuary or mm-hmm. but with rhinos being very territorial they hardly you can hardly find them displaying such behavior of inbreeding oh yeah okay yeah uh since the monitoring is an intensive job it is done on a daily basis yeah how is it run how is it managed having all these 23 camps well, with we different... have supervisors yeah and like i mentioned it's right we, we expect to see it's right now in about four days or right now we cited so after if four days if you haven't day, seen a rhino yeah uh we there's a there's a team that I had not mentioned mm-hmm. called the rapid deployment team mm-hmm. this is a team of i would say rhino gurus mm-hmm. these are experts people with 15 plus years 
of experience. Yeah, Rangers were well, they have well versed with the area. They know the area very well. And mm-hmm. these are the, these are the team that we bring in mm-hmm. to to team up with the team of the area that is we're missing this line. We haven't seen this line. Mm-hmm. In, the, in a big way, it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. We do we we, do, we don't only do foot patrols. We do patrols on motorbikes, especially the supervisors in the field. It's easy to penetrate uh, areas that vehicles per se wouldn't. We have vehicle patrols, and we also do aerial patrols. Aerial patrols. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is to intensify and ensure we've combed each and every bush. So it becomes hard to miss a rhino. Not only a rhino, any infiltration. This team will be the first one to, to know. Yeah. Poaching in the conservancy. We haven't had poaching for close to three years. Yeah. Is it because of the power of the whole team? that they are working cohesively or is it that uh, currently like for instance we are we're facing the covid pandemic with the lockdowns and bans on air travel to some countries can that be attributed to that i, I, I would say generally uh, last year it's been one year no park no poaching not only in kenya kenya uh, uh, we're saying three years but in the whole of kenya it's no rhino sanctuary that has lost a rhino to poaching in, in one year. Yeah. Now, looking at it, I think mm-hmm. uh, begs the question: what, what is, what is, what is working? What is being done? What, is, what, are, what is the, what is, what is being done differently? Mm-hmm. I would say awareness and active awareness and engagement. That's the biggest. That's the biggest plus. Because uh, Dylan, honestly speaking, mm-hmm. we are saying these horns are being sold. Asian countries, but there is no place where we've ever seen one of the poachers caught in the Asian. So they are all Kenyans, they are locals. Yeah, you see where I'm, I'm getting, where I'm coming from. Yeah. So I think, I, I believe there are, there are many conservation organizations that are working to ensure they drive the message home where the demand is, mm-hmm. where the market is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a two way. There are those who are working locally, those who are engaging the potential buyers, mm-hmm. potential countries where this market is, and I would say probably the message is getting, the message is getting there. We are no longer losing elephants in big numbers as we used some five, ten years back. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's one of the big pluses that we're having. And back at home, we are still doing that. We engage in the communities around the, the conservancy because and again for any conservation organization your first defense is the communities around so they act like buffers yeah yeah mm-hmm. so you see when you have a close relationship with them mm-hmm. when someone when, a, when a new person comes in mm-hmm. uh, a potential poacher that you want to infiltrate your predator mm-hmm. you will have to come through the community stay there for a while, get to understand how things are being done, what types of patrols are these people doing, yeah? How do I get in? Mm-hmm. My exit plan. Mm-hmm. So by the, these are close communities, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the small communities, for instance, where I was brought up, mm-hmm. where everyone knows everyone. You board uh, this public transport and you're saying hi to everyone because these are familiar faces. Yeah. So it's really hard for... You actually These are places notice. where they are not even... They don't have even lodges or mm-hmm. villas or airbnbs around so even accommodation itself is going to be a challenge mm-hmm. and the places where you're going 
people will notice that you are you personally yeah, strange yeah, yeah. if you're doing any behavior and if you're along the fence line so we get a lot of reports from the community area so I'm, that's why i'm stressing that our good relationship with the communities surrounding us has really beefed up our security and can also the the legislation the the national legislation uh, also contribute to this because nationally the kenyan the current president has been championing yeah anti-poaching yeah and there's something interesting he did back in 2016 where he banned a whole stockpile of, of confiscated ivory ivory and rhino horns mm-hmm. that really sent a big message uh, internationally that we only value our life when they are alive when they are alive yeah to us they are worth more alive mm-hmm. trying to make profits of an elephant that has been butchered i don't ever been to a site where an elephant has been killed or right it's it's horrific it's something you did we wouldn't want to give to see again mm-hmm. because you want to extract as much as you can for instance with elephants these are external incisions they come from inside there so someone so you pulls want, out even the roots yeah you want the whole as much and it, it, these things are sold in kgs Mm-hmm. So you don't want to trim, you want to get as much as you can. As you can. So for for one was like elephants, you have to hack out the whole head, huh. to get the 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 the, 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 the incisions from the gum inside. Mm-hmm. You get. So it's really if, yeah yeah. And ways of now apart from the the strengths of all budget, uh, yeah. the strengths of the national laws and security. And uh, interestingly, sorry for the Kenyan law changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the new there's a new wildlife act of 2013 mm-hmm. that has really stiffened the fines for anyone caught with any wildlife trophy mm-hmm. be it rhino horn why, why why did you call it a trophy uh, a trophy is anything that you have um, like, the textbook definition of in a conservation perspective mm-hmm. of a trophy is any 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 part of an animal that you have you you, you have on you mm-hmm. In, in the field of conservation, it's called a trophy. So is it a trophy because I will brag? No, not really. Even if it's a, to my friends it's a or... lion claw that you have, mm-hmm. it's referred to as a trophy. Mm-hmm. So if you're caught with any of these, mm-hmm. previously we had really soft fines. Yeah. But now, for instance, having a rhino horn on you, mm-hmm. that is, uh, you're taken to court, is tw- you're jailed for, you can be jailed for 20, for 20 years, mm-hmm. or, a, or a fine of 20, 20 million. Mm-hmm. Or both, and that is like, and not it's not an an easy, yeah, uh, yeah that is not easy to come by across twenty yeah. million yeah, yeah, shillings, yeah, especially yeah, if you are yeah, a local yeah, farmer. Yeah, or, yeah, so it really puts people yeah, off on killing yeah, animals. Yeah. And other ways of uh, of yeah. preventing poaching. I read that uh, some organization are doing rhino horn removal. Do you advocate for such measures? I wouldn't at all mm-hmm. because uh, the only way that the rhinos defend themselves is through the horns yeah whether they are being attacked by by lions mm-hmm. or any that's the only means of defense that's so if how, you take down the yeah, weapon like you're you disarming yeah uh-huh. is it also a way of uh, conquering territories yeah that's 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 what they use their horns to, yeah to keep off So if for instance if all pedestrians to go that way you can imagine as the honing are put five violence. Mm-hmm. Is it that also tasking? Yeah, I think tasking yeah, yeah, physically, I think financially. Yeah. I think it's easier if you prevent 
and and let them be natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't the the horn? It's also it's a sign of beauty. Yeah, I would say so. So if you're removing yeah. Yeah. another the rhino, it's like that. I come to your house and remove all your teeth. Yeah, not <laughs> only the teeth, or even chop off my 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 arms. So it looks yeah you're yeah. trying to save the the rhino from being killed but you also personally I wouldn't putting it at a disadvantage. Yeah. There's also another way, yeah. horn poisoning. So uh, guys are putting acaricides to kill ticks. Yeah. On the it's safer on the rhino but it is toxic because if we're using it for medicinal purposes. If you use a rhino horn, you will intoxicate yourself if it has been poisoned. Do you advocate for that? Okay, I would say these things they they have not only have side effects probably that we we are not aware of. But I think it's I don't I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't recommend at all. To to poison the horns. Yeah, yeah, the horns at all. Because uh-huh. yeah. what if yes, it is safer to the rhinos but might harm not only humans but the surrounding animals. Yeah. Yeah, these animals interact with they rub they, they rub the horns on the trees and trees and yeah. Well, personally, I would. It becomes yeah. risky. And there is also another way, artificial using artificial substitutes. So we make synthetic horns and, and sell to those Asian markets <laughs> for their. <laughs> Isn't uh, that also hard? Because how if you've confiscated some some horns? Yeah. At the the airport or yeah. exit points yeah. in the country, yeah. how do you know this is indeed a synthetic horn or some rhino was killed? I've, I've never seen one. A synthetic, probably. Yeah, probably it's a, it's a debate that it's there. Ah, yeah. Probably, if I could hold one, I could tell if it's if it's even looks it's like. Because, yeah. for instance, guys are having synthetic hairs. Ah, yeah. They are synthetic foods. If you can make one of from keratin, then from ke- keratin you? from which animal is it human being maybe human hair or so you drink human hair for medicine <laughs> for human, hair or human fingernails uh-huh. yeah uh with the technical uh, technological also advancement i saw recently in one of all budgeters exercise yeah. those are cheaper that was inserted in a rhino horn yeah it helps to keep to know their movements and just to know they are safe or they are within their boundaries. So that can't help with it would if you are preventing poaching. Yeah, if you are if you cut off the horn and go with it, we we'll still keep we we'll still keep tracking. Okay. Yeah. Uh the black rhinos. Let us talk about uh, the western black rhinos that were declared extinct yeah. in twenty eleven. Uh what attributed to that? What lessons are we learning and preventing from us losing our eastern black rhinos? By if we start way back uh, in nineteen eight in the eighties, the, mm-hmm. the Western black rhino was doing really well, I would mm-hmm. say, and they are. But again, they are, the the range had, had, had well seems to be shrinking. Mm-hmm. This is between Cameroon, which by that time had a hundred over a hundred, about hundred or ten to between hundred and ten and twenty, mm-hmm. and Chad, which had about twenty five. Mm-hmm. But this. And you can see with in, in a span of about ten years, mm-hmm. for instance, in in Chad, all all, all the rhinos were dead that had been killed in ten years. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in Cameroon, it took it took them a while. Uh, by nineteen ninety one, we only had about fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kept dropping. Uh, by the time we were getting to nineteen ninety seven, we only had about ten of these 
you know, so you can see it's really, the, the, I would say, but the challenge is really on poaching. On poaching. Yeah. And the the West African countries, yeah. by then, there, there wasn't was much. Civil strife wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that time, I would say. With my, my history, I remember most civil, zo- civil wars were happening in Central Africa. Yeah. So is it now in West Africa? Because currently, West African countries are populate overly populated comparing to our countries. Yeah. Is it attributed to population human population growth? Uh, it could in that aspect we can look at it from saying change of habitats and land tenure systems and probably forests being turned being converted to maybe farming plots or. Mm-hmm. But. But still, looking at it, I think such a sharp decline is, uh, is that can only be attributed to poaching. poaching yeah. Yeah. Habitat loss that is supposed to be gradual over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. If we're talking over a span of 10 years, that must be poaching. And uh, reintroduction of rhinos, to, are there efforts to do that? Because you've said, for instance, in Alpajeta. Yeah. We started with four rhinos and we had other rhinos brought into the conservancy from yeah. other regions in the country. Yeah. Can't the same thing happen to that? Oh, the Western Western black rhinos were quite different to the Eastern black rhinos. No, we're, we're talking of, of a species that is lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same same as the Java, the Java and rhino species in Vietnam mm-hmm. that was declared extinct in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see it's, it's, it's quite a trend, yeah. You know, like Rhino is down to its last two, as we talk, as, as, as you're talking now, mm-hmm. which are age animals, but it's only two females. And mm-hmm. as you're aware, there is this whole process of in vitro fertilization that is still being worked on. Mm-hmm. But I think now the challenge, what we need probably moving forward is what you've learned from how, how fast we've lost this population mm-hmm. and the lessons learned implement them in the eastern black rhino conservation strategy mm-hmm. because i am sure some some 20 some 20 years back there was the there was these lead flags could be could be noticed mm-hmm. of, of the shrinking of the population of the western black rhino mm-hmm. but if and kenya is really doing well in that in ensuring that we don't repeat the same mistakes ensuring we increase the numbers day in and finding out the challenges being faced and working on them mm-hmm. to ensure that this population co- continues to thrive. And currently with the, because we did our national census recently and the Kenyan pop- population is growing. Yeah. The black rhino population in Alpajata is growing. So yeah. there is a competition for land yeah. between human beings and wild animals. Yeah. So how are, are we as a conservancy, or what can you suggest to have like a harmonious way of life between people and wildlife? Come again, I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand. Uh, recently, yeah. we had a national census. Yeah. So the Kenyan population is also, human population is also growing. Yeah. You've said, Alpajeta, for instance, we've reached the carrying capacity of our black rhinos. Yeah. So we need more expansion need more land space, yeah. for to distribute our our, our rhinos evenly. Yeah, yeah. So is, are you not seeing a, a conflict or a competition for land between human beings and not only right. black rhinos, but not other wild animals? Uh, I would say that Kenya has the lion's share of parks, mm-hmm. conservation areas. Mm-hmm. We have over 
about 20 something packs and they are I distributed in different, different areas there yeah. yeah so but i would say the the, the good thing of, about what predator where we lie is that to our north to the north of the conservancy mm-hmm. we have data conservation area mm-hmm. which was previously uh, a government ranching area mm-hmm. a government ranch so we've secured it for for our wildlife and hopefully moving part of our inner population there mm-hmm. interestingly mutara conservation area is adjacent to another conservation area called uh, Hillan Downs mm-hmm. which is on the way, which is in process of being gazetted to become an, a new uh, government park mm-hmm. it's going to be called the Lake Kipia National Park mm-hmm. adjacent adjacent to it is Segera Conservancy we have Waisaba Conservancy which has which is home to rhinos and Segera also planning to bring to have rhinos in their in their, conser- in their conservation area mm-hmm. I've uh, mentioned there is Impala Research Center which borders Oljogi and there is Loisaba. Mm-hmm. You can see it's a chain of five conservation areas. Neighboring each other. Neighboring each other. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the coming years there will be no fences in between with just one Will it be area. different organization or are you merging as one organization? No, that's my idea that maybe someday that would mm-hmm. that is, I think that is projecting from and I think it would be really great to have all this space for, for animals to move yeah. freely yeah yeah so so i would say from that i would say the future of rhinos from a predator perspective looks really bright looks bright yeah. with if we are comparing it to the growth of human populations yeah especially in this region urbanization so, is yeah 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 so i would say there is really not that competition for land between between wildlife and, and human beings yeah. okay but i would say we also have challenges of corridors and wildlife corridors and dispersal areas mm-hmm. because there are, there are elephants that we have collared mm-hmm. in collaboration with other organizations like space for giants we send the elephants and we've been monitoring their movement and you can see the elephants go out from a predator all the way up to like kipias and boro areas sometimes even go down to abadeas so what we are losing is connection connection the connection but in between all, those places are was, people's farms. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. The, the farms were not there some 20 years back. Mm-hmm. So, so it brings about a lot of human out of conflict. Can't the farmers also be incorpor- incorporated into the, the conservation actions? Uh, I think that is that would be a big task now to the government mm-hmm. and to come up with a way ensuring that we have connect- this connectivity. Yeah. So if these this parcel and wildlife corridors can be clearly identified and because you can path. even ask farmers to have corridors in their farms and they be compensated either annually or yeah, i think that will have there is room for much debate room for that. yeah uh closing uh in regards to predators we have identified rhinos don't have like uh, a key species of predators that hunt them so may mostly are human beings yeah, so yeah. what can you tell the guys that are listening to us to be as people who are aspiring to be anti-poaching advocates i would say uh, that we all have a role to play mm-hmm. from from wherever we are sitting mm-hmm. we have a role to play to ensure we leave the world to be a better place than we found it mm-hmm. and uh, there is this lady she was uh, was there a Nobel Prize winner, Wangari Maathai, yeah. Professor Wangari Maathai, she, she's always been 
someone I've always looked at when it comes to conservation matters, mm-hmm. the late Olario. And there was this story she always gives used to tell of the hummingbird. Hummingbird that was trying to put off a forest fire. fire and, yeah. yeah, and it would go to the river, sip some real drops and go drop in the middle of the forest mm-hmm. and other, while other animals watched. Uh, so what I'm trying to drive in is we all have our role to play. No matter However, how small, small you are. Yeah, we can play a part in this. And it will make an impact. Yeah. And the rip, the rippling effect is quite big. big. Yeah, because we, we come from different parts of this world. Mm-hmm. So if this message is reaching everyone in the different corners mm-hmm. and we take action mm-hmm. in our little way, mm-hmm. if we're in school, maybe start up a club for environmental club, different higher learning institutions. Mm-hmm. If we start having these conversations and trying to to play our little parts becomes a really big movement. Because it also, yeah. it is motivating when you're seeing other people are now being involved in your yeah. actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. very much. Thank you. So thank you, Abraham, for your time today. It has been a pleasure talking about the black rhinos and black rhino conservation in all Gazeta Conservancy. So thank you. Thank you, thank you. Taking you out of your work. I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you. Okay, thank you. This has been Olpegeta Pod, a podcast series that airs to you uh, twice every month. And if you have any questions, engagement, or anything uh, that you'd want us to discuss on this podcast series, you can reach to us through communications at olpegetaconservancy.org. We look forward to your emails and feedback. Thank you.